Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Yes, my friend, there is so much possibility, and I'm not talking about the airy fairy pie as the sky. There's possibility for all of us, and if you haven't checked it out, go and listen to my podcast called Dropping the Armor, A Story of Transformation with Brenda. We'll put a link in the show notes so you have it. I used to hate that word transformation. <laughs> hated it. I'm like, oh, transformation. I went and did this or I read this book and how come it didn't happen? <laughs> the answer, my friend, is you actually have to do the work and implement, put it into practice. <laughs> so Brenda's story is about what's possible. And for those of you who are skeptical like myself or Brenda, her story is about the windows of possibility of when we show up and we're willing to do the work and practice and fall down everything that I've been talking about on the show for over 14 years, whether it's with guests, with researchers, with authors, with people like Brenda who've had their own stories, transformation is possible in our stories we have to be willing to lean in and do the work. So I hope my invitation for you is you'll listen to her show. You'll listen to the interview with Brenda and that will provide nuggets of insight for you. The feedback I have gotten has been phenomenal. People have been emailing us and saying that this has been so helpful. Somebody recently said that they had listened to it five times and cried. And part of it is their heart is hungering for this. And my hunch is this person doesn't also believe it's possible for herself, but it is. Brenda's not a unicorn and she was really, really hard on herself. Something I'm going to talk about today. I'm not a unicorn and I didn't understand a long, long time ago when people would say, and my mentors would say, Corinne, you're so hard on yourself. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't even understand and I didn't understand why it was a detriment to me. And then today's show, I'm going to be talking about that. So that's what's new around here. We're getting great feedback with that show. And I'm also preparing, I'm going to have a guest come on my show, a returning guest, Kristen Neff, Dr. Kristen Neff from the University of Texas. She's going to be coming on. So keep an eye out for her interview. We're going to be talking about fierce self-compassion and why it's so needed for women right now as we go through this pandemic and all the unfolding that's occurring through this year, there's been a lot of changes, transformations. People are getting more clarity about what's okay, what's not okay. We're seeing marriages end. We're seeing new beginnings. People, there's becoming a lot more clarity in this difficult time. So be prepared for that one. I'm very excited to have her back. So one of my favorite sayings in the recent months is, and I don't even know where I heard it, but it's death by a thousand cuts. And it's the title of a Taylor Swift song. (laughs) And I'm laughing because for some reason, I thought it was death by a thousand paper cuts. (laughs) 
And I'm laughing with myself, not against myself. And this is an important concept for us all. I'm laughing with myself because I know getting it perfectly right doesn't matter. And there was an old self of me that would never have shared this with you because I'm like, see, Corinne, you're a fraud. Who do you think you are? You don't know. And for my clients or my people, or maybe for those of you listening, this may be the thing that makes be endearing to you is I say things incorrectly <laughs> and it's all okay. It's like my bippity boppity boo, the fairy godmother thing. And I'm th- probably am saying it wrong again. And one of my clients sent me the meme of where the words are supposed to be. And we can tell that it hasn't totally landed in my brain, but that's okay. This is about owning all parts of ourselves in myself, giving myself the permission that I don't have to be perfect to be a value that I don't have to be perfect to be worthy as a human because perfection is a myth. And actually perfection is a part of the patriarchy of how we can then be accepted, right? It's a way to keep us small. And so we can let go of perfection and fully show up as ourselves. That is what's empowering. So I'm here owning my own story and the reality of, I actually kind of like the death by a thousand paper cuts better than death by a thousand cuts. Once I realized it was, I was saying it incorrectly. I'm like, okay, Corinne, you need to attribute it correctly. Death by a thousand cuts. I like the idea of paper cuts because it's such a small cut, but it's also this annoyance, right? And it can be painful and it can really hurt and it's survivable. So maybe the death by a thousand paper cuts doesn't make sense, but I've been using it with my Air Force clients and I've been using it with all of my different clients of, you know, these cuts, these small cuts over time is what can be the death. And it's not even the death of us as humans, but like the death to our souls. Like we just lose hope. We lose the possibility, right? We become apathetic and that's not how we want to live this one precious life. Though at times we need to break from it. I get that. So I wanted to bring in this concept today about the death by a thousand cuts, because what I'm going to be talking about, we often think is insignificant, but actually it's so harmful to us. And it goes back to that idea, that concept of death by a thousand cuts. One cut's not a problem, but if we continue to do this over and over and you know, one of the things that I work on is our mindset. What are the stories we tell ourselves? How do we feel? And those, those words that we use, how we talk about ourselves can be a cut. And we really need to be deliberate so that we don't hurt ourselves. There's, life is hard enough without us cutting ourselves. And I'm speaking metaphorically and even physically without us cutting ourselves. So when I think about this week, it was so fascinating to go through this week and I was in a meeting, I was in a debrief earlier this week, and one of my colleagues had taken off a scarf that she had had on around her neck, and we're all on Zoom. And she says, oh, now you all are going to see my tensions. She has a very skinny face. I didn't see any chins, but I was like, wow, what are we saying about ourselves when we do that? When we throw ourselves under the bus? What's the message that we're telling our soul? Oh, you have another chin and that's not okay. Even when it's not there, how often do we say things about ourselves that aren't even true, but it's that fear of how we're going to be perceived, how people may look at us, or maybe the camera angle is at a way that's less than generous. I mean, that's the reality, right? Especially in this day and age of zoom. 
Then I was on another call where somebody was talking about going on the sugar-free diet to lose a couple of pounds. And I was a little taken aback. And the thought in the back of my head was, why is she trying to lose weight? And it's so fascinating to listen to my brain because I've been a weight loss coach. I've helped hundreds of people lose weights, private clients lose weights. I used to have grin groups going through this process of wanting to lose weights. And I still get astounded because at some point, when do we arrive at where we are in our lives? And so she was talking about eating sugar-free jello. And I was just fascinated. I'm constantly fascinated by how often my clients' lives are ruled by what that number says on the scale. It happens in their weekly reflections, how it's been a good week, it's been a bad week, all by this number on the scale. And again, who is the one that's imposing how you're supposed to look? A lot of it is our cultural programming of this image that we're supposed to be right? Maybe you're supposed to be one of my clients and I were talking about this week is like, you know, whether it's being Carol Brady and being the ultimate stepmother, being Carrie Washington on scandal and being the fixer, how many of us are fixers, right? And I'm really working on not fixing what's my responsibility, what's not my responsibility, being Donna Reed, you know, the perfect homemaker, being, you know, Elle McPherson and being the sexy, you know, body, whatever these images are, we're trying to be all these different people all in one and never giving ourselves any of the space to get it done or have the support. Like I think about Carol Brady and she had Alice, like I still want Alice (laughs) still this morning. I woke up. I was like, if I had Alice, that front porch light that's been out since Halloween would actually be working. (laughs) I need Alice. So the tensions, the losing weight. Then I was on another call and I had a client get on zoom and she's like, Oh, my hair. I changed my top. I was in a fancy top. I didn't need to be one with you, but now my hair. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean your hair? Like I was like confused. What are we talking about? Your hair looks fine. How often do you show up and apologize for how you are looking before there even could be the connection with the other person? Think about that. When you first show up, are you acknowledging your own, what you perceive to be as flaws and putting that out there? Or are you focused on connection, right? These are the cuts that I'm talking about. And these cuts lead to the death of our soul. Another example is I had a client in one of my groups, be really brave. We're working on values and speak up. And she said something like, look, I feel really silly to be asking this question, but I'm really struggling with this values work. And I'm just not sure what we're doing. And there's nothing silly about not understanding. It's really brave to be vulnerable and ask and ask for help, ask for support. We've been taught again, that we need to be perfect. We need to know it all so that Therefore, we can be accepted and fit in, I guess. And then so we discount ourselves and we interject that and actually takes up space and it distracts us from what it is that we want, right? When I'm meeting with you, whether your hair is messy or it's not messy, I care about you. I want to know what's going on inside of you. If I'm your coach or if I'm running a group coaching call or a workshop and you don't understand, I want to know so that I can help you. I'm not interested in that your judgment of, are you smart enough? Are you not? We all aren't supposed to know everything. We're not Google, right? It's not like we pop a question and then here comes all these resources. 
We want to be able to lean in and be curious and be willing to learn and be willing to understand that we, there's so much we don't know. But when we do this, when we beat ourselves up and we're critical about how we look about our own intelligence, and we make these comments, we're cutting ourselves. And it's so important instead is to own, like I did earlier about, you know, the Taylor Swift, it's death by a thousand cuts, not death by a thousand paper cuts. (laughs) I still laugh at my own silliness and humor. You all is my number 24. My values humor is my bottom. It is, it is not my strength. Right? This is about as humorous as I get. I'm not Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not a comedian. Right, That's not my number one value. It's not my top five. It's my number 24. But I do laugh with myself because it gives me permission to not be perfect. It gives me permission to love all parts of myself and own all of my story and stand inside of my story. When I didn't love myself and when I didn't when I had to be perfect, I stood outside of myself. I st- I abandoned myself. I wouldn't stand with myself. And I was always hustling for other people's approval, thinking like, okay, once I get their approval, then I can finally rest and I'll be accepted and be okay. But that's not how it works. I tried that for a really long time and it didn't really work and it was exhausting. So I'm going to go back to this. How do we look right? Cause I I'm 48 soon to be 49. And it's so interesting because I like the way I look so much more now at middle age than I did when I was younger, especially like as a teenager or my twenties, you know, and whether it's with my wrinkles or my gray hairs or whatever, I like myself so much better. But even before then I made a commitment to myself a long, long time ago that I would not judge myself based on how I looked going out and about in my town. So if you're a local person, you've seen me, oftentimes my hair's in a bun or a ponytail or a baseball cap and I'm wearing, you know, no makeup and I go in about, I'm not a person that has thought I had to look a certain way before I can go out of my house. I didn't want to create for me that prison wall. And I have friends that it's really important for them and there's no judgment, but for me, I didn't want to live with that. I didn't want to have that prison wall for me. For me, it was constraining. And I had all these stories about it takes too much time. I now realize it doesn't take that much time, but back then. So I made that decision a long time ago. I realized I can't control if I'm judged or not judged. And all I can control is my attachment to other people's judgments or criticisms. So I made a deal not going to worry about it. And years ago, my friend Lou, who has this very top rated Disney podcast, he was, he's like, Corinne, you really need to do, and this is before zoom and all that. It's like, you really be great for your podcast. If you did live web streaming while you're doing your podcast, you can live web stream via video. That'd be so cool. (laughs) I looked at him. I was like, Lou, and we were on a, I don't even know what we're on. Maybe we're on Skype back then. We were on a Skype call talking to each other. I'm like, Lou, that would mean hair and makeup. That is a no. (laughs) So here I had this cognitive dissonance, right? And what cognitive dissonance is, it's the process of holding two mutually exclusive beliefs without noticing the inherent opposition. So here in my town, I'm really authentic. I'll go anywhere looking any which way. And it's not an issue. It's not a problem for me. I show up, I don't worry about it. And I go do my thing. 
But all of a sudden you put me behind, I don't know, a live web screen. And I was like, no, I have to look a certain way. I have to be able to put together. Again, that's that cultural programming of how I'm supposed to look as a woman in this day and age. I'm supposed to be all put together. I'm supposed to have my makeup done perfectly. My hair's done perfectly. And I call BS to that. So now, fortunately, I can get on a Zoom call, not have my hair and makeup done and be okay with it. But I had to be aware of what are these different stories that I was telling myself. And also to circle back to my own commitment is, how do I want to treat myself? Am I going to spend time judging how I look? Or are we going to spend time showing up and connecting with the people? I want to connect with the people, not judge myself, not and not give myself death by a thousand cuts. So my question for you is when do we finally arrive to a place of acceptance, self-acceptance? When do you? I had to realize like holding that cognitive dissonance where I was willing to show up and be seen in my, in my community face to face, but I wasn't in my virtual world and I had to be all put together. And I was like, well, that doesn't feel good. And that's not aligned with my own authenticity and how I want to show up. And it was something over time. I had this client who worked in a Silicon Valley company and her cell phone wouldn't work. And that was it's hilarious. And she wanted to have Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. as her session and the phone wouldn't work. And finally, I was like, look, we can use Zoom. But I'm like, I start really early on Tuesdays. Hair and makeup is not going to be how I'm showing up. And she's like, that's fine. I don't care. Like, I want your brain. Like, I don't care how you look. And that small step, like, started giving me the courage of like, oh, it's not about how I look on Zoom with my clients. It's about how do I show up? And I know for so many people right now with everything that's going on and how much brain juice that we're using and we're hitting decision fatigue, I had someone who say to me like, yeah, I have just decided that I can show up to Zoom meetings without hair, you know, hair and makeup done and be the badass lawyer, be the badass businesswoman. Like we don't have to have all this armor of how we look to be professional, right? There's certain standards that we need to live by that align with our values, but doesn't mean my mascara needs to be perfectly quaffed. <laughs> so fun to watch like my perfection show up, even though I've really done a lot of work over the last like what, 10 or 12 years of letting go of perfection. It still shows up. It's so fascinating. So arriving at a place of acceptance, we must stop looking for our faults and instead look at the beauty we each have inside of ourselves. And I get it. We've been mistakenly taught to believe that small things like self-deprecation aren't significant, but my friend, it's the death by a thousand cuts, cuts to ourselves, cuts to our souls. And for some of us, it's our way of countering that message that we got from somebody in our life of now don't get too big for your bridges or who do you think you are, or you're too much because you think you look amazing, or it's you're worried about being arrogant. Here's the thing, being too big for our britches and being not enough are both in the same thing. They're both rooted in shame. And there's a huge cost to us when we're trying not to be too big for our britches. What's the cost? You're not showing up, right? Like when those conversations that I had just this week, we got a bit sidetracked because they were feeling bad. And I was confused. I'm like, why? I don't see another chin or I I don't understand the 
why are your hair like you're worried about your hair? I'm so excited to be here and connect with you, right? So that's the cost. And how does that impact you to tell yourself that, that you're not enough? We already have enough messages that are constantly coming at us many times a day of how we're not enough, right? That inbox that forever is in the email inbox that forever is adding more emails, right? There's not enough time can be the counter message that you're not doing enough job managing your email. That's like an impossible task to manage. So we have enough of that. We have advertisements that say, once you buy this, you're going to finally be enough. We have all of this, right? You may have family members. You may have teenagers who are very critical of you and think that you're not a very good parent, right? So we have constant messages. We don't need to be doing that to ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean we sit there and go, oh, I'm the most amazing human on the planet because we don't need to get into that comparison of being better than others. But what we want to do is we must like ourselves and noticing what is it you like. And I realize that that can be challenging, especially if you're new to this. But my friend, it's time to stop the internal cutting of ourselves with the mean things that we say, even the small things like, oh, here's my 10 chins and start thriving in our lives. And so what we want to do is notice what do we like about ourselves and notice what can be improved and not an improvement like, oh, I have to do this and I'll finally be able to arrive. But what can be improved? Maybe one of the things I can work on is having better posture right? That can be improved. And that makes significant difference in my back's health. What do you like about yourself and what can be improved? Because we're always evolving and growing. And that my friend is compassion. And unfortunately, compassion is mistaken as leniency, but it's not leniency. Compassion is where growth happens. We want to grow. We want to thrive. We want to live these beautiful lives. We must do it from a place of compassion. The sticks and stones, the self-beatings, thinking that's going to get us to be better and do better. It works for a period of time and then it doesn't. And we're exhausted. We're burned out. And that's when my clients come to see me. So what we want to do is be compassionate, be compassionate and ask ourselves what's working well, what can be improved? Now I want to switch over from how we talk about ourselves and how we look in our appearance to about the ways we take away our own power by apologizing for not understanding an issue. Ask your questions without throwing yourself under the bus. Remember, like I said earlier, we aren't Google. You're not supposed to know everything. And that's the myth that has been deeply brainwashed into our mindsets to keep us small and in our place. So whether it's how we look how we show up, maybe not knowing it's all okay. And it's time for us to break free and fully show up in our lives and be able to laugh with ourselves. Like I do about bippity boppity boo or death by a thousand paper cuts. I don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. And we can both be imperfect and be amazing with our messy selves. So my invitation for you today is every time you look at yourself, be kind Talk to yourself the way you would a girlfriend. Would you say those mean things to her? Oh, you have 10 chins or wow, your hair looks really messy today. Or maybe it's how you would talk to your daughter or a stranger. Who are the people that you can say kind things to? Not lying things, but kind things. And when you don't know something, 
my invitation for you is to give yourself permission to not know as it's not correlated to your worth. It's not correlated to your value. And we are better off being learners than to be a knower. We all have more to learn. There's so much happening in this world that we can learn and grow and evolve. Our job to do on this planet is to evolve. And I used to think one day I'll be able to finally fully like myself. I'll finally have it all together. If I just work hard enough, if I just hustle, I'll finally be able to get there. I'll arrive at this destination. (laughs) And what I've learned is there's never that day where we finally have it all together. (laughs) There's never. I live an amazing life and there's shit shows everywhere. Like that's the truth. And the great thing is that I've been able to grow my capacity for those competing situations in my life because there are these great things and there are these hard things. And I can like myself now. I, my hope and desire for you is stop waiting to have it all together to finally like and love and accept all of you. Stop waiting and instead stand inside of yourself with all the messiness that you carry in all the beauty and enjoy your one precious life. We don't have to do it from a place of scarcity. We can do it from a place of wholeheartedness. That is my invitation for you. I'm smiling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short, they're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.